You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Not which party controls our government, but whether our government is controlled by the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. That all changes starting right here and right now.
Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at His Hard Line. Let's go! Let's go. from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the, the people. people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He is in charge. He's in the captain's chair. He's at the helm. He's behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. Today is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. Hey, I got the date right today for once. And you are listening to episode 642. We'll be doing a reading out of Job 42, last chapter of Job. And today's title of the show is called U.S. Corporate Government Cesspool. That's right, U.S. Corporate Government Cesspool. Daily disclaimer, please be advised that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, a bar lawyer, and I don't possess any titles of nobility to offer legal advice. And while I am a member of the Michigan General General Assembly in good lawful standing, yes, eat your hearts out reprobates, because that is a true statement, I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly. More importantly, I do not endorse or advocate for violence, and please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational purposes, unless otherwise referenced. So there you go to all the Karens and Darrens and reprobates out there. There you go. Yes. Hope everybody's having a good day so far today. Happy hump day. Happy Wednesday. We are midweek. Midweek. And I want to say thank you for joining us on today's broadcast. If Now, if you find extreme value in what we offer and take away solid information as well as a positive message from this platform, I would ask that you hit that subscribe button, share the show with your friends, family, and colleagues, because the big mission here that we have is to spread God's word, encourage people to invite Jesus to be in their heart while addressing significant topics related to family, true American history, and how to restore our republic of this great nation through the reassembly of states and counties. And I also want to encourage you to engage with us by leaving some comments and subscribe to our social media and share our content. 
And you can find all those resources, all those social media outlets that we're a part of on my website, hishardline.com. That's www.hishardline.com. And for those of you who wish to support the show, there is a Give, Send, Ghost campaign set up over there um, that you can also find on the website, which 10% goes back to Give, Send, Go. Um, but also keep in mind, there is a place to submit prayers on the campaign as well. But either way, you you know, whatever you do, it, again, thank you for just coming over here and supporting the show by listening and sharing the show. Um, my biggest request, though, I, I value most is the prayers and the shares, the prayers and the shares, because at the end of the day, I know that God has all of our needs and that, you know, the needs of my family already taken care of. So, you know, the prayers and the shares are the biggest thing that I value most. So. With that being said, for those of you that probably didn't see what I posted on Telegram earlier this morning, I posted a fairly lengthy quote by Andrew Jackson, you know, the guy that's on our $20 bill. And that quote, I'm going to read it right now because it has everything to kind of do a little bit with, you know, this U.S. corporate government cesspool that we've been kind of dealing with over the last, what, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, since basically 1913, all of our lives. Uh, but this is what he said. And this was regarding the, when he bankrupted, I believe, I want to say it was a second central bank that the United States um, had. And this is what he said back then when he addressed them. He says, gentlemen, I have had men watching you for a long time. And I am convinced that you have used the funds of the bank to speculate in the breadstuffs of the country. When you won, you divided the profits amongst you. And when you lost, you charged it to the bank. You tell me that if I take the deposits from the bank and annul its charter, I shall ruin 10,000 families. That may be true, gentlemen, but that is your sin. Should I let you go on, you will ruin 50,000 families, and that would be my sin. You are a den of vipers and thieves. And that was a, a quote by Andrew Jackson. Now, Andrew Jackson's statement was uh, obviously directed at the second, uh, I guess what you would call a central banking system of that time, right, for the United States. And he believed that the bank, through its corrupt practices, was just much like, you know, the central bank that we know of today in the Federal Reserve, right? But he thought that the practices that they were engaged in were only benefiting a select group of wealthy individuals at the expense of everybody else, right? The common men and women. And so Jackson accused the bank's directors of using depositor funds to engage in speculative, you know, activities. And when they were successful, you know, they reaped all the personal profits and benefits, but then, you know, the, when the flip side of that coin occurred and they lost money and their ventures failed, well, they passed those losses on to the bank and ultimately it impacted the general public. That's ultimately what happened there. And that's what's still happening, at least not for long. And so, you know, Jackson's stance against the second central bank of the U.S. stemmed from a deep-rooted belief that centralized financial power left in the hands of a few privileged, you know, people posing, uh, you know, posed a very, very significant threat to America's prosperity, just like what we're seeing today. And at that time, he saw the bank as a symbol of uh, this concentration of power where, again, only a handful of wealthy people had the ability 
and could manipulate economic policies for their gain at the expense of the general public. And that's a big freaking problem. See, in my view, Jackson's veto of the bank's rechartering was, in my again, my opinion, a very bold stand against a system that favored the elite, emphasizing his commitment at that time to safeguard the interest of everyday men and women. So by thwarting that recharter, he aimed to prevent the perpetuation of a structure that he perceived as inherently unfair and pretty much damaging to the fabric of society. There's no doubt about that. And so the his his you know his historical stance it resonates with concerns of what we're seeing in you know today's times right in contemporary modern day times that we're seeing today where there's often discussion about the concentration of wealth and influence in the hands of a select few like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and the you know Vanderbilts and the you know fill in the blanks the Bowers and, you know, many today share Jackson's sentiment, again, because it's the same darn crap that we're seeing and witnessing and experiencing today. And so this parallel draws attention to ongoing debates about the economic equity and the proper, you know, regulation of the financial systems to ensure a fair and inclusive society. Now, similarly, there are some prominent voices, maybe one you might know of, uh, Commander-in-Chief Trump. Donald Trump, that is, right? He's criticized the Federal Reserve, informing the people that its policies primarily benefit the elite. And he's always argued by stating that the system is corrupt and serves the interest of a select few, kind of like Andrew Jackson, right? And it's going to lead, if they kept on, it would, it would eventually lead to economic disparity, decline, and basically ultimately negatively impacting the majority of everyday forgotten men and women in America. So in essence, both historical and modern criticisms suggest that the control and manipulation of a financial system like the Federal Reserve, you know, centralized bank, it will always favor the privileged while inevitably and actively harming the broader population. Why do you think, I don't know if I've ever expressed this, but I've always called Wall Street a casino. And there's a guy that I drive with. He used to be a stockbroker. And when I made the comment one day to him saying, oh, it's all rigged and they're just a bunch of, you know, it, it's, it's literally a casino and that casino is rigged like any casino. He goes, oh, no, it's not. You just got to know how to invest in this and that and blah, blah, blah. He tried to feed me this whole song and dance about how you just have to know, you know, what to do and when to short this and when to short that and how to pick up this. I'm like, dude, no, you think, you know, and you might have a slight concoction and formula on how to benefit off the system, but make no mistake there is a lot of people way above you that are making like a hundred thousand times more in return than you will ever dream of so while you might get your little breadcrumbs, you know your pittance yeah sure you might make a few you know a few thousand dollars but let me tell you what the how yeah again <laughs> oscar just took the words right out of my mouth he put it right here in the chat it's still 5149 house beats odds that's right that's absolutely right. The house will always come out ahead. 
And so this viewpoint asserts that such practices perpetuate a cycle of wealth concentration and in inequality, which affects the livelihoods of ordinary men and women. I mean, look at what we're seeing today, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, inflation is still going through the roof. Yes, we're seeing gas prices, crazy enough, coming down. Like around here, it's now below $3 a gallon, which is interesting. We're seeing $298, $293, $291 in some cases. That's kind of cool per gallon, that is, for regular gasoline. But there is still a lot of people out there that are still struggling. Um, people are still clenching at, at their money because... They're not sure how much worse it's going to get. They're not sure if hyperinflation is going to be right around the corner because what you're going to hear on one of the four audio pieces that I have queued up for later on. Well, actually, I got five, one here in the beginning and then four toward the tail end of the show. But our economic system, our, our um, how do I want to say it? Yeah, I guess our economy is based on trust. And that trust is very quickly eroding and it's evaporating. And we're going to see a system crash and crumble before no time once people start realizing, oh, crap. My dollar is definitely not going as far as it used to a year and a half to two years ago. Here's something else. Now, keep 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 this in mind now. Remember what happened just a few weeks ago? Speaking of banks and money and stuff like that, where the banks, not so much the credit unions, but the banks, there was something that went on with the clearinghouse and a lot of people did not get their direct deposit. Well, guess what? It's looking like maybe possibly pay attention. It might happen again because my neighbor, who I also work with, I got him hired at where I work at, his bank that he banks at, all right, I'm going to keep his name uh, nameless here, but the bank that he banks at has a special service that when the check starts hitting Wednesday, afternoon to Wednesday evening showing that it's a pending deposit that's occurring and then it clears and make you know becomes available on Friday his bank allows those funds to be immediately available the minute that deposit starts showing up well today is Wednesday and he's like this ain't showing up again I'm not gonna get paid this Friday so I'd be very curious to see if this occurs again coming this Friday with the majority of America and their bank deposits. Again, credit union holders did not have this issue. Only people who banked with like Chase or Huntington or U.S. Bank or Bank of America, you know, the big banks, PNC. I'd be very curious to see if this occurs again. So keep your guard up on that. All right. Enough of that. We're going to get into more, you know, U.S. corporate government cesspool discussion here on the tail end of this. But before we get into Job 42, I want to play this TikTok video that my wife sent me. I absolutely love this, guys. So if you heard on a previous podcast, there is these two gentlemen, younger guys. They look like they're in their young to mid-20s. They, they, and they're out of Dallas, Texas. Now, I have no idea what their names are except Cam and and I forgot the other guy's name. But anyway, um, just funny guys. I don't know what predominantly they talk about, but their dialogue and their back and forth bantering when they tell a story is just comical. Now, 
Maybe it's just me. Maybe some of you might hear it and you might be thinking there is absolutely nothing funny about this, Jason. You have terrible taste in what you consider comical relief. And this is the dumbest thing you could ever play in your show. If that's the case, I would just highly recommend that you just turn down the volume for the next five minutes because I got another one that I'm going to play. I absolutely think this is absolutely funny. And again, my wife shared this with me. I told her, I said, you need to sh you need to send this to me so I could play it on the air because we all need a little comedy, especially during times like what we're seeing today. We all need a laugh. So without further ado, let me pull this up here real quick. Make sure it's all good. Let's see. Hold on. The animal in this world that you fear the least. Fish. Animal. Fish. <laughs> don't start. Don't. Don't. You're starting and I'm not. A fish is an animal. No, it's not. I'm talking about an animal animal. Like fish. Fish, fish. <laughs> fish. That's like saying like an ant. That's not an animal. Fish aren't animals. That's like a, that's a sea creature. A fish is an animal. Can't go to the. By the way, I, I just, I, I had to pause it for a second. Just want to let you know that I'm going to try to bleep out the bad words because I do have a little bit of a potty mouth. But um, if you have children listening, just fair warning. Um, I can't remember exactly what they say. I mean, it's not real terrible, but there is a couple naughty words that come out. So I just want to let you know. Continuing. What's the animal in this world that you fear the least? Fish. Animal. Fish. <laughs> don't start. Don't. Don't. You're starting and I'm not. A fish is an animal. No, it's not. I'm talking about an animal animal. Like fish. Fish, fish. Fish. That's like saying like an ant. That's not an animal. Fish aren't animals. That's like a, that's a sea creature. A fish is an animal. You can't go to the zoo and see a fish. They don't have zoo fishes. There's actually so many fishes. There's fish zoos. No. You can go to a fish zoo. No. Oh. There's so many fish that they have their own fucking attraction called an aquarium. That's different. That's like sharks and shit. <laughs> no, that's why they have different names. I'm talking about an animal like a monkey zebra. That's like saying a mammal. You just ended yourself. If you would have said mammal, I would have gave you different answer. If you said animal, that's not a fish. Fish is an animal. No, I fish. Something with paws is an animal, dog. And fur. Is a lizard an animal? No. It's an insect. What's a, a reptile? What are reptiles? So reptile, What's a human? So are we animals? Are we animals? Because we're humans? Mammal. Exactly. It's a mammal. It's not an animal. Which is an animal. So we're animals. Animal. Listen, you said humans are mammals, I right? Can't, I can't do Listen. This. I can't. Do Listen to my explanation. Just get into my brain for a second. I don't want to get in your brain. That is a sick, lonely, cold, <laughs> slimy place. We're not an animal. You are. I'm an animal? I won. Comments. I won. Explain it. You explain it. Well, how am I an animal? You asked me. Yeah. What animal am I least but afraid of? But you called me an animal. Fish, fi no, I didn't. Yes, you did. You just you said brought, I'm an animal. You human beings into Why you are you screaming at me? Because your stupidity. Fish. I'm talking I about animal animals. I don't care. Animal animals. I'm yeah. talking about car cars. It's not a Mitsubishi. <laughs> okay, car car. What is the definition of a fish? What, what is it? Oh, aquatic. Aquatic what? <laughs> aquatic what? Aquatic creatures. Animal. You're saying you're the same as a leopard. You're not a leopard. You're a white man from Dallas. <laughs> you're not a leopard. I'm trying to tell you something. <laughs> this guy is just going absolutely bonkers at his buddy. Because he keeps saying that fish are not animals, obviously, if you can, if you could follow that dialogue of yelling and screaming at each other. Oh, my God, though, this guy, it was just just absolute comical. I'm just anyway, I'll have to find more of that. I don't know. Let me know what you think. But I think those guys are absolutely funny. Anyway, OK, let's get into the reading. Job chapter 42. It is the last chapter of Job. And then I think we'll get into the book of James. Um I see a nice laughy emoji there in the chat there from my wife. She's the one that shared it with me. So, uh, yeah, wife, if you find any any more funny, you know, uh, skits like that, try to get their names because it is funny. Try to get their names. Uh, I'll put it out here, you know, in case people want to check them out. 
Okay, Job chapter 42, last chapter of Job. Okay, and oh, by the way, and I am reading out of the new, um, uh, yeah, NIV, New International Version, for those who like that version. So again, don't want you to think I'm keeping that version out. I try to, you know, get into all the different versions for all of you. So anyways, all right. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant, <clears throat> my servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite Bildad and Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand donkeys. And he had also seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, Jemima, excuse me, Jemima, and the second, Keziah, and the third, Karen Hapuk, or Hapak, I'm probably butchering the name, my apologies. Nowhere in all the land where there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man and full of years. And that is the reading of Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 17. So the story of Job. Wow. That was a very incredible moving book. I loved reading that. Um, it obviously began with Job, um, at the beginning of the scriptures describing Job as someone who was very deeply devoted to God, right? As we're kind of, you know, kind of go from the beginning of the book to like what we just read at the ending. And he was living a life filled with blessings. He had a lot of wealth. He had a big family. He had a reputation for righteousness. People loved him. They wanted to be around him. They, they, they knew Job was a good man all around. But then a challenging conversation unfolded between God and Satan. And Satan, at the beginning of the book, contested that Job's faithfulness was only solely due to the comfort, you know, the comfortable life that, you know, that he had. And so during that conversation, 
Satan basically asked God, let me have my way with him. And I promise you, I'll get him to curse, you know, curse your name out of his lips. And with God's permission, tragedy struck Job. So he lost everything. He lost his wealth, his servants, his livestock, his beloved children, his wife, his home. And despite the unimaginable loss and the, um, I mean, he had skin boils, right? I mean, he had so much going on with him that he cursed the day that he was ever born. He never cursed God, but he cursed the day that he was born. But Job's faith, crazy enough, remained unshaken. He boldly declared that his trust in God's sovereignty, saying, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. No matter what he went through, no matter how much was taken from him, he still gave glory and gratification and praise to God. No matter what was taken from him, no matter what was plagued on him, he still gave all the glory to God. That is a very faithful man. How many of us would be, would we, if you can ask you answer this honestly, would you be able to have the same endurance and the same faith that Job displayed? throughout this whole book, would you, if you went through the same stuff, even half of what Job went through, heck, not even half, a quarter of what Job went through, would you be able to display the same faith? I'll be honest with you. Maybe nowadays I probably could, but a year or two ago, nope, probably not. Because today it seems like so many people are very weak in their faith. And I was one of them. I'd like to believe I'm pretty strong in my faith, but hey, look, I'm not infallible, so I have bad days too, just like you do. You know, and as if these trials, you know, these trials weren't enough for Job, Job faced some serious physical afflictions, right? His wife urged him to turn against God, but Job stood firm in his faith, and even his friends when they arrived, they were aiming to console him, yet their attempts to explain his suffering as a consequence, remember? They were trying to explain away his suffering as a consequence of his actions, and that only led to really intense debates. And so when you get to the heart of the story, it lies in the dialogue between Job and his friends overall. And Job vehemently defended his innocence and questioning why, you know, they, you know, why he endures so so much hardship, you know, despite his righteousness, his yearning for an audience with God to plead his case mirrors the, the human struggle with understanding suffering amidst faith, a very tough balance to, to, to contend with, in my opinion. And so the climax eventually arrives when God finally speaks to Job and reveals the limitations of man's understanding compared to, you know, his divine wisdom. And Job humbly admitted his arrogance and repented for speaking without comprehension of God's vast ways. And so the story of Job really, it really resonates with me personally, because it's a, it's a very powerful testament to the strength of faith. Again, of faith, I don't think no man can ever display nowadays. Honestly. I don't think so. And maybe there's a few out there that could. 
Job displayed some serious resilience and really showed an enduring power of forgiveness. Now, Job's journey through all this adversity and losing everything that he held dear in his life and facing, you know, and he faced unimaginable suffering. When you see all that he went through, it's really, truly a humbling, a humbling story. It's no wonder that saying exists out there, oh, he must have the patience of Job or she must have the patience of Job. Now, what strikes me most as I read this over the last month, month and a half, was Job's unwavering faith. Like he never stepped away from that faith. No matter how many trials he went through, it's really incredibly inspiring to see how he maintained his trust in God, even when everything seemed to crumble around him, right? The cards were falling around him. Everything, the ground was literally crumbling underneath his feet. And that aspect of that unwavering faith in the face of immense suffering really honestly speaks volumes about the human spirit and our capacity to endure. I mean, really, you think about it, it's just impressive. But again, what really gets to me was his ability to forgive because despite his friends and their misguided counsel and their attempts to explain away his suffering, Job didn't hold on to any bitterness or resentment whatsoever, but instead he just prayed for them. He just prayed for them. And that act of profound compassion and forgiveness is really something I personally admire in Job. And the most, um, you know, the most beautiful part about all this is the restoration that occurred at the end that we just read here in 42, chapter 42. Because after all that turmoil and the hardships, Job's story did not end in despair. He, blessed, he was blessed with double what he had before. His life was marked with prosperity, with joy within his family, and an unshakable legacy of faith. And so for me, this narrative quite frankly, underscores the incredible power of, again, resilience, humility, and forgiveness while navigating the severe challenges of life's ups and downs. I mean, really, it's, it's a reminder that no matter, no matter how difficult our time might be on this earth, if we hold on to that faith like Job did, right, and, and embrace the same level of forgiveness, it can lead to not just, you know, overcoming suffering, but honestly, it can actually lead to leaving behind a legacy of trust in something greater than ourselves. You know, I'd almost go as far to say that if somebody asked me, Jason, who would you consider a role model in your life? Like, who would you say would be your role model or your mentor? I would say, honestly, Job, second to Jesus, of course. It would be Jesus first, then Job. Because Job, again, what a miraculous story that was. Outstanding man. Outstanding man. So, that concludes the, uh, again, reading of the book of Job. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to take a quick, short little break. Um, I'm going to play a little 
quick little little music real quick for a second. I'm going to wet my whistle down a little bit. Got a little bit of a dry throat. And quite frankly, I've been dealing with this crazy, crazy pressuring type feeling of a headache that I've had all day today. And I think quite frankly, it was due to not having coffee. I was fasting for 24 hours. I know it wasn't from that because I usually typically can fast on average about 20 hours a day. Today was about 24 hours because I was helping my neighbor put up her Christmas lights on her three giant Christmas trees that she has that, um, is on our property border between my house and her house. And uh, they're just beautiful trees. So I told her I would help her put up her light. So I went literally 24 hours without eating. But I think the big part of my headache was the the weather shifting, you know, the pressure in the air. And then I think the other part of it is, A, I'm probably not drinking enough water. But B, I didn't have my normal coffee today. So I am dealing with one stupid headache right now. So, but anyways, let me take a quick break. We will be right back and we'll continue on to the second half of the show. U.S. Corporate Government Cesspool. I'm not going to lie, guys. You know what comes to my mind when I hear this beat? It comes from my old DJing days. And if, for those of you, a lot of you might be, uh, a lot of you guys might not even know this song. My wife would. Maybe maybe Oscar would. Some of the younger generation might, might, might recognize it. But when I hear the beginning of that song with the snapping, it reminds me of that little John song. Snap your fingers and do your stare. I, I ain't going to get into it, but that's what it kind of reminded me of. Old club song I used to play back in the day. <laughs> Snap your fingers and do your stare. Anyway. Oh, I can't do that stuff anymore. I am too. I'm too, I'm getting older. I, I got my dad card. My my cool card got torn up a long time ago. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, and Oscar was thinking of the Vanilla Ice song. Yeah, I guess that could. Uh, let me think. I'm like listening to it in my head. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, it's got a similar tempo. Um, no, I think Vanilla Ice is a little bit faster tempo. But yeah, I, I could get that, though. But yeah, anyway. So, oh yeah. So like I said, just been dealing with this headache and, uh, you know, it's just been one of those days, but, um, help my neighbor out, put up her, uh, you know, her Christmas lights. Um, she's got these three big, I don't know what they're really officially called, but they're, they look like Christmas trees. You'd go out and cut out, you know, cut down in a, in a forest and, um, they stand from the base, I would say about 12 feet each they're they're very tall trees and so half of her lights were out so i am like i am not gonna sit here and try to find all these broken bulbs and burnt out bulbs so what i just ended up doing was um double layering this you know on the tree a, a second time on this part of the strand where the lights were out so if you look at it during the day it looks goofy as sin but you see it at night looks normal but that's okay so i told her i said look i said these lights aren't going to be perfect but they're on you know because normally she puts them on but she was so just not feeling it this year and with all the snow that we had in halloween she's like i'm done i'm not even going to go and attempt to put those up i said look i don't mind putting them up i'll put them up for you i said me and my wife we love looking at them because they're right outside our bedroom window 
and we love when we, you know, when they're, when they're on. In fact, my wife uses that as her own personal clock because they glow so bright through our window, you know, even with the shade shut when they turn off, because there's a timer, when they turn off, that marks that it's 11 o'clock typically right around that, that hour. And so my wife always knows what time it is when those shut off. I mean, not that you, she couldn't look at her phone <laughs> or the alarm clock that's at our bedside there, but anyway. So U.S. corporate government cesspool. So like I was discussing at the beginning of the show, we were talking about Andrew Jackson, right? We were talking about Andrew Jackson and what he was saying regarding the central bank at that time, the second central bank. And I'm going to read that quote one more time for some of you that weren't here at the beginning of the show. But Andrew Jackson, at his time when he was president, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was the seventh. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was the seventh president of the United States, right? I believe. Um, I'm not quite entirely sure on that number, but I know he's on a $20 bill. And he said, gentlemen, I have had men watching you for a long time, and I am convinced that you have used the funds of the bank to speculate in the breadstuffs, meaning grain and stuff like that, but in the breadstuffs of the country. And when you won, you divided the profits amongst you. And when you lost, you charged it to the bank. And you tell me that if I take the deposits from the bank and annul its charter, I shall ruin 10,000 families. That may be true, gentlemen, but that is your sin. Should I let you go on? You will ruin 50,000 families, and that would be my sin. You are a den of vipers and thieves. And that was a quote from Andrew Jackson. So what I want to play, again, is predominantly, I got four audio pieces. Now, two of them, the first one talks about how the Federal Reserve is not federal, just like FedEx, right? Federal Express is not a federal installation. It's a corporation with shareholders. The second uh, audio I'm going to play talks about, Again, the severe corruption of our government and how it is indeed a cesspool. Um, this is from the Sean Ryan show, the clip that I'm going to be playing. Then there's another piece that uh, I saw um, on Telegram. Uh, I forgot his name. I think it's Nino's Corner, you know, the boxer. He had Jan Helper Hayes on his show. And so she was discussing how military tribunals are going on. I think this was a podcast that happened on the 22nd. Um, So we're going to hear what she says in case you missed it. And then I'm going to play this one montage of Seinfeld scenes um, dropping truth bombs. And when you listen to it, it's like you're thinking to yourself, oh, crap. They were telling us this stuff even in Seinfeld shows. And we all know that they do. Like, we all know they use shows to to drop truth bombs on us right they 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 put these little five second nuggets in there of truth and people just look at it as comedy and they don't even think nothing of it so we're gonna hear all four of these audios here's the first audio of talking about how the federal reserve is not federal uh this is from a podcast called the minimalist this was episode uh 419 give this a listen to oh hold on wait 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 wait, wait. i'm clicking on the wrong darn thing here we go I'm going to say something which will make me sound like a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist, but look it up. The Federal Reserve is not federal. Federal Reserve has shareholders. It is not a federal organization. The U.S. Federal Reserve Bank, the shareholders of it are the banks themselves. It's as federal as Federal Express. (laughs) (laughs) So here you have a regulatory body controlled by the entities that it is regulating. 
the systems are too big, right? Everyone's always like, oh, Biden, oh, Trump. Well, the problem's not the president. The problem is the presidency itself, the seat. When the Constitution was drafted and the seat of the American president was formed, human beings had never traveled faster than a horse could carry them. The country was tiny. There was no such thing as telecommunication. So today, almost 250 years later, we expect to be able to elect one person who's so talented that they can run, they can educate all of our children. <laughs> and they can manage the nation's economy. And they can be the military leader of the planet. And they can... That person doesn't exist. There is no one human being that's going to come in here and magically wait. The systems are too big. Mm. We've got to rethink it. We've got to pause and be like, uh, uh, like the Democrats and the Republicans, everybody's pointing fingers. But if you look at the data, the U.S. federal deficit goes up every single year, no matter who's president, no matter what party is in control of Congress. We're 30, 32 trillion dollars in debt. That debt will never be repaid. Who's going to repay it? Who do we even owe the debt to? Mm. The economy is based on trust, not money. There it is. The economy is based on trust, not money. And it's going to come out when more truth keeps flooding out in the mainstream media. That trust is going to evaporate quicker and quicker by the day, almost by the hour. And once we understand that and its implications and that we just literally took an economic system that was invented when people thought the sun revolved around the earth. That's literally how dumb the brightest minds on, on the planet were at the time that capitalism was, I shouldn't say invented, but when Wealth of Nations was published. Like, that was the worldview. And here we are today, still doing what they did. Very interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. But see, here's where he's a little bit incorrect. Now, he's talking about, now he is correct that the office of president, again, holds, again, it, it's perceived to be one of the most powerful seats in the world. But what he's not telling you, and it's probably because he doesn't know about it yet, but it's the people of this country that hold all the power even over the presidency, okay? The people in general jural assemblies in each state and in all the counties, they're the ones that call the shots. They're the ones that are supposed to be doing the people's work. And this, ladies and gentlemen, he said a very, very true statement saying that these systems are too big, that they're too big. And he's very right. However, the people can be bigger than the system. Here's another audio piece from the Sean Ryan show. Give this a listen to. Let's say someone lived down the block from you and you knew that they were aiding and betting child trafficking. I mean, you would never trust them. You would never let your kids near them. And here our government is aiding child trafficking. I mean, so how can we trust our government? We cannot, we've reached a point where we cannot trust our government. If, if our government is that corrupt, we can, we can no longer trust the government. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think it's a if our government is that corrupt. I it's, think it's a, our government I mean, is that is corrupt, that corrupt in multiple arenas. And but here's the thing with Epstein justice: if we dig down into Epstein, we will come across the cesspool that I believe is contaminating other large parts of the government. And then that's where we can make meaningful change at that point is we have to, we have to make the, sure that the government indicts those perpetrators, indicts those procurers, and tells us why, tells the American people why it covered up Jeffrey Epstein. We need to know why. We, we need, the, the American people need to know why Jeffrey Epstein's perpetrators aren't indicted, and we got to make sure that they get indicted. We've got to know why the government is covering up so this doesn't recur. And, and who's it covering up for um, other, other than these perpetrators? I mean, these are, these are fundamental questions that the American people need to know. We need to know this about our government. We cannot let this just slide and think it's going to get better. Uh-huh. That, oh, we'll, we'll just forget about this. And, you know, in 20 years, things are going to be better. I mean, our politics are really corrupted. Uh-huh. And we ostensibly have a two-party system. But Jesse Ventura, the former governor of uh, Minnesota, he says it's just like professional wrestling. He said, we sound antagonistic, but that's just part of the script. We're getting paid by the same people. He said politics and professional wrestling are basically one and the same thing. It's all theatrics. Yeah. The big uniparty. Yes. That's right. It's all theatrics. Hence why you always hear the term, you are watching a movie, because everything is theatrics. It's a big show. And guess what? You are forced to watch it, and the sad part is this movie has real-world consequences and real-world effects that affect people like you and I. Again, going back to the discussion of the central bank, right? The people at the top, like George Carlin said, it's one big private party, and you and I are not invited. We are not part of that club. Now, he has a lot more colorful language in his skit but he is absolutely right and i think it's going to come out more and more we're going to find out the who's who and who has been diddling little kids and who has been child trafficking and who has been you know human trafficking if nothing else and who's been dealing with uh who has been engaged in money laundering who has been engaged in this that and the other i think we're going to come here in 2024 There's going to be a lot more stuff that's, I mean, so far we've been seeing a lot of red pills dropped and a lot of truth bombs dropped in the mainstream media. And I think that's only going to increase in intensity come 2024. Why do I say that? Well, because it's a presidential election year and Trump keeps saying commander in chief Trump. I'm going to say it for what it is because again, he is commander in chief. Okay. He's already said it out in the open. This is the final battle, folks. This is the final battle. Well, what does he mean by that? I don't know, but it sounds pretty serious. The people have to wake up in this country 
and they have to be pushed to that. What's Dave from X-22 always say? People have to get pushed to that precipice. They have to feel it personally because if people don't feel the hurt on a personal level, nobody will ever be prompted to get off their and and do something about it. It has to hit everybody in their pockets personally. Yeah, I agree with April. She says, feels like a never-ending bad movie, and all I want is to have a happy ending. I believe we'll have our happy ending. The unknown variable here is when. And yeah, Oscar makes another good observation. He says, Mike Johnson was unanimously elected Speaker of the House. When has that ever happened? And then the last part of his comment is continuity of government much? That's right. And his next comment proceeds by saying pain has to happen. That's absolutely right. Pain has to happen. I believe that was also a cue a Q drop. I don't know if it was worded quite like that. I think it said pain is coming, but everybody has to experience pain in order to change. Listen, here's the thing. For those of you that are parents out there, this is very simple. Your kid keeps acting out, right? They keep doing naughty stuff. They talk back, whatever the case is, insert bad activity here or bad action here. Now, if you just kept trying to tell them, this is not a very good action for you to do. You're going to keep getting in trouble and this is not going to end up well for you in your future. If you don't straighten out, do you really think they're going to learn anything from it? Maybe there's an occasional one or two kids out of a hundred that will get it and will listen. Those are the exception to the rule. But the other 98% of the kids, they'll look at you, call your bluff and be like, I've heard you say that a thousand times means nothing to me. So then what do you got to do? You got to punish them. You got to give them, you got to, you got to take away something, right? You got to take something of value. What is their currency? Is it their allowance? Is it their, is it? uh treats is it their toys are they a bookworm and they don't care about toys or candy but they love their books what is their currency that they find value in you take it away to teach a valuable lesson do not do this again or i take this away and when it gets taken away usually they should typically learn a lesson my wife just had to deal with this with Haven not that long ago. She took not only all her crap out of her room, but took her door off the hinges so she couldn't slam it. Well, guess what? After taking everything away, her whole entire world away, well, boy, oh boy, wouldn't you know it? Her actions turned around for the better. Dramatically. And not only did her actions turn around dramatically, but because all her things and her toys and everything that she enjoyed was taken away from her. I mean, her world literally got flipped upside down and, you know, isolated from her. 
she started getting very creative with her mind and started using the couch pillows and things around the house that are just normal everyday items and started using her imagination and was having fun with that. See, what happened in this case, and forgive me if I'm pausing here because my head is throbbing. It has little bouts of moments where my head just throbs like a couple hammers are pounding on my temples. But what had happened there is we stopped telling her what's going to happen. We stopped telling her what's going to happen and we just did it. And she felt some pain from it, right? She Things were taken away. And guess what? Now, and, and yeah, my wife says she's always done that, taking stuff around the house and, and used her imagination, but it just added to her creativity even more. It forced her to expand even more, yes. Well, that's the same thing that has to happen with America. Everybody has to feel that pain. And everybody has to feel a little bit of loss here. But guess what? When we go through it, what's going to happen? We're going to learn to think a little bit more critically. We're going to learn not to be so trusting in the government. We need to be more diligent in our self-education and learn to do the people's work. It's called not being ignorant anymore. Listen to this piece that Jan Halper Hayes has uh, right here. I'm going to play from uh, Nino uh, Rodriguez, that boxer. Uh, she was on his show. Now, I still don't know what to think of Jan Halper Hayes. However, she has been dropping some serious truth bombs regarding what's going on in the background. Now, for so, again, for those of you who don't know who she is, she sits on a special task force within the Department of Defense. Let's give this a listen to. You see military tribunals going taking place in the near future. They have been going on. Okay, so there's a lot. Of, I get a lot. You know, I'm one foot in, one foot out of that. I know what Derek Johnson says and this and that. Uh, this and isn't I, Derek I, Johnson. This is, you know, I, I have, um, because I worked at the Department of Defense here in the U.K., you know, I have security clearance on both sides, not as high with the UK, but uh, one of the people there um, has kept me up to date. In fact, let me let me find this one text because your uh, viewers and listeners might, you know, find it maybe comforting. Uh, You're allowed to share this. Well, this is my UK military. Wait till, wait till you see hear what I share. The Navy JAG is the most uh, effective, efficient, and swift um, legal system. That's what that's that's all I want to know, frankly. Okay, he sent this to me actually. Uh, last Tuesday. Uh, Space Force is very real to us. Air Vice Marshal Paul Godfrey went live 2021 to announce UK Space Force and the military 
global alliance is very real with the Russians doing the hard uplifting. Major General William Walker announced live on morning news in front of the Ring Fence DC on the third Monday of January, Martin Luther King Day. We are here to provide a smooth transition to military power. Allow me to say how proud I am of the almost 25,000 National Guardsmen who have come in from all 50 states and territories to help support the Secret Service and the police departments that, with a peaceful transition of military power. Weeks later, nine of 11 heads of the Pentagon were retired. Now, this is from my UK source telling me this. Yeah, it's not really kicking off the way they planned. I mean, we haven't had any civil unrest here in America yet. No real people aren't really uh, I haven't seen any inciting or any terrorist attacks yet. Um, maybe some but shootings David, here and there. David, but David, maybe what they're doing is they're taking out some of these people behind the scenes. That's what I was going to get at they're... next. That's what I was going to my next question for you. Is there bigger moves that we're not aware of behind the scenes that that are fizzling? Absolutely, including things that I'm never specifically told, but I am very intuitive and pick up different things that different people can tell me, and then I put it together. Absolutely, they've been working their behinds off. I I know that what needs to be taken care of whether it's taking all the money, the property, the everything of someone or sequestering them away, um, it's happening. What's your thoughts on the Rothschilds losing their estates and doing these auctions? I mean, is that, I mean, it seems to me that's kind of scary to me. That's a sign. Yeah. That's a sign. I mean, they haven't had to do it for 700 years exactly very interesting very interesting they haven't had to do any of that liquidate in over 700 years but like she was saying this stuff is already happening now there is some things and she she admitted she said there are things that she has not been specifically told but because of her intuitiveness and her ability to connect the dots she is able to confirm a lot of what is going on. And obviously with some of the positions that she holds or, you know, her position that she holds within a department of defense, you know, there's certain things that she's able to speak on, but people just need to open up their eyes, read some of the directives that Trump has put out there, the executive orders. And if you're part of the assembly, you know, now I don't know exactly all 21 requisitions, but I know a good majority of them, but those are the orders that were issued by the people in general, general assembly on what needs to be done. Again, there is a lot going on in the background, but the military ultimately is still waiting on we the people. Jason, what are they waiting on? They, they, they can just get in there and kick ass, can't they? Why can't they just get in there and kick ass? That's not how that works. We need to reestablish our de jure governing system where the power is back in the hands of the people. Otherwise, you know what's going to happen? 
we're going to have another uh what 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 happened before when when the people couldn't come together because of, again because of general order 100 that abraham lincoln's fil- signed until the people come back in the seats that they basically left behind the military will be running things in the background does the mili- does the military have to sign another agreement with the east indian trading company or someone else to provide those essential services like the organic act of 1871 does another one of those need to be drafted and have another corporation running our country i'm i'm asking a legitimate genuine question do you want another corporation to come in and fill the vacuum of governing this country because if your answer is a big fat n o get your butts in gear and get your mouth moving and talking to other people about getting involved in your county and state assembly across this land Here's one more audio piece before we close us out in prayer. This is the montage of Seinfeld, of all their little truth bombs. Listen to this. This is pretty crazy. So so you're saying UNICEF is a scam? It's the perfect cover for a money laundering operation. And no one can keep track of all those kids with those little orange boxes of change. So what's up, diggity dog? (laughs) George and I just signed up with the Senior Citizens Volunteer Agency. Same thing Elaine's doing. Oh, that's too bad. I don't say I didn't try to warn you. What are you talking about? Oh, Jerry, I'm surprised at you. What? It's a con. These agencies are usually a front for some money laundering scheme or they're bunko artists, <laughs> bilking people out of their life savings. Oh, yeah. Where did you get this? The alternative media, Jerry. That's where you hear the truth. The alternative media, that's where you hear the truth. Even Kramer said it back in the 90s. I think we can help you. See, unfortunately, the medical establishment is a business like any other business. And business needs customers. And they want to sell you their most expensive item, which is unnecessary surgery. You see, it's in the best interest of the medical profession that you remain sick. See, that ensures good business. See, it's in the medical profession's best interest that you remain sick because then you remain a customer, not just a patient, a repeat customer. You're not a patient, you're a customer. Yeah! What's the matter? You all right? Ever question my instincts because my instincts are honed. Look at that. What now? Look, look. Hospital receives grant to conduct DNA research. Government funds genetic research at area hospital. Yeah, so? Pigman, baby, pigman. If I have to hear about this pigman one more time. Hey, I'm telling you, the pigman is alive. The government has been experimenting with pigmen since the 50s. Oh, would you stop? But just because the hospital's conducting <laughs> DNA research doesn't mean they're creating a race of mutant pigmen. Jerry, will you wake up to reality? It's a military thing. <laughs> they're probably creating a whole army of pig warriors. <laughs> <laughs> 
gonna have the flying cars already. Oh, yeah, they have been promising that for a while. Yes. When we were kids, they made it seem like it was right around the corner. I think Ed Begley Jr. has one. <laughs> no, that's, that's just electric. What about Harrison Ford? He had one in the Blade Runner. That was a cool one. What's the competition? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? What do you think the big holdup is? The government is very touchy about us being in the air. Let us run around on the ground as much as we want. Anything in the air is a big production. Yeah, right. And what about the floating cities? And the underwater bubble cities? I've been living in the 50s here. <laughs> Wait a minute, George. Now you got room in the car for the pig man, huh? The pig man can take the bus. George, if the pig man had a car, he would give you a ride. How do you know? What if the pig man had a two-seater? Be realistic, George. Very interesting, isn't it? The amount of truth that they slip in on these sitcoms is really astounding. I've been listening um, because I don't really have time to watch TV. So I've been listening to a old, an old sitcom, or not really sitcom. I, couldn't, I shouldn't even call it a sitcom, but an old show. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It's called Burn Notice. It's a spy show. And I listen to it because I don't really listen to podcasts anymore. I mean, I listen to a few, but I just, you know, I don't like listening to music. So I listen to this show. It's called, again, Burn Notice. And it's very interesting, the amount of tidbits. It's literally about how to be a covert operative, right? And um, somebody was in here to chat saying, I love Burn Notice. Michael Weston. That's right. Michael Weston. Um, burned Spy. But it's really an interesting show because as the storyline of each episode goes along, he narrates in the background and gives pointers and tips of if you are in this situation, this is what you would typically do. Basically giving tips of what spies usually do. Now, my wife did some research on some of the stuff that he was saying on this show. And granted, yeah, it's a TV show. Got it. But some of the legitimate tips and things that he was saying on there are legit. And when you listen to the, some of the storylines of this show, it again, gives you more truth bombs about what's occurring in today's world. It's just, it's just insane. But anyway, but that's pretty much all I really got for you today. I didn't really have a whole lot today. I had those audio pieces and it's probably good that I had those situated and ready to go. Cause this, what I was going to do today was going to be done yesterday and yesterday, <coughs> excuse me. Yesterday I was just very tired and I ended up going to bed super early and did not have it in me to do a podcast. I had my notes ready to go, but anyway, so I'm glad that I had all this situated for today because like I said, my head is just in and out with waves of pain. But again, back to the U.S. corporate government cesspool, people need to understand and they need to come to the realization that what we've been taught about our government is not true. They have been experimenting on people. They have been trying to enslave us. They have enslaved us. They, they, they take our wealth through the central banking system while their losses and their little business ventures, if they fail, we are the ones that absorb all that cost and all that debt. And that is exactly precisely why we need to reassemble our states, ladies and gentlemen, because the corporate system can no longer govern this country. 
We do not need their military to set up another charter with another Indian East trading company type of corporation. We don't need that. So the people need to wake their butts up and get involved. Again, I never did conclude this thought from a previous podcast, but again, I sympathize and I share the same sentiments with Kirk at Kirk's Law Corner because it's like, how many times do we have to keep putting this information out there before people finally clicks, you know, it clicks in our brain. How often do we have to keep talking about this? It's almost tiring. It's almost, it really is almost tiring and exhausting because it's like, when are people going to figure this out and wake up? You got so many people out there with these big platforms and all these big audiences, but yet everybody still wants to sit back and grab their popcorn. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, let's pray. All right, Heavenly Father. Sometimes it feels like we are a skipping, repeating record in what we're trying to put out there. But most importantly, at least we put out your word from the Bible and we try to draw some good, you know, inspiration and and knowledge from what you put out there for us. We pray for our nation. We pray for our communities, our counties, our states. We ask that you guide more people into this reassembly of states and counties so we can finally take back the power that we were always meant to have and put you back at the center of it all, Father God, because, you know, turning away from you was one of the biggest mistakes that humanity could ever engage in and we need to restore you back at the throne we repent of our sins we ask for your forgiveness sincerely and we humble ourselves coming to you just please help our country be restored we know we have a lot of work ahead of us but with you at our side we know that all things are possible Rietta also adds to this prayer, Father, thank you for all the truth that has been exposed thus far, right? And for those who have not learned about the evil yet, please protect them as they learn. Lord, please protect the assemblies and grow them with people that love you in our country. Lord, we are thankful that you are working all things together for our good and for those who love you and called according to your purpose and we pray, and and if I can add one more thing at the end, well, no, and then we'll just end that in Jesus' name, amen. And yes, Leslie Liberty, I did get that article, and I did read it. Thank you for sending that. It is good. It is good. I actually read it a couple times. Um, that was very interesting. Yeah, it was from the Reader's Digest um, on Grand Juries. Thank you for sending that, by the way. Um, I do appreciate that. Um Ah, I'm just trying to think. There's one thing I wanted to say, but let me just text Destry real quick here. Uh, Destry, I know you're listening, I think. Let me look, scroll down. Yeah, he's still there. Uh, I'm just texting. I'm texting you right now. All right, send. You guys are probably thinking, what, what kind of back, what kind of backdoor conversation you're having back there? There's, like I said, there's certain things that um, I know I could, you know, speak on, but there's other things that I 
think that need to be kept quiet because again, we have a rogue element in this country that are trying to really screw with our progress. You know, when it comes to our assembly of states, um, you know, we're dealing with it here in Michigan with these freaking dipstick reprobates. Uh, maybe you saw something that I posted on my telegram. You should go see it. It's really quite a work of art. It's a nice piece of digital art. Uh, involves a toilet paper roll. Um, maybe scroll up. You'll see it. it's quite amazing. But there is going to be a formal, a formal, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a formal response, if you will. But uh, he might be busy. I'm not seeing a response here. Uh Hold on, guys. Anyway, I'll probably just leave that alone for now. But anyways, but um, there are states that are growing their assemblies. I've been hearing more about a couple states that have been getting their people. They're 30 plus people. Stuff is happening. Stuff is moving. That is a good sign. That is an excellent sign. So we are we are on our way to getting into the low 20s. Um as far as our states being assembled. Remember, we need 38 of them, ladies and gentlemen. We need 38 states. Oh, yes, and that's what I wanted to do. Let me call the wife real quick. Uh, this is our bug a wife segment, but Haven wanted to share something uh, that they did today. So let's give them a call. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, wait. I guess it would help if I plugged my phone into the board again. Hold on, I unplugged it, hold on. Like a nincompoop. Okay, let's try that again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen to you, you little something, something. Oh my gosh, what you? Oh my. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Haven. Oh That's my right? lord! Oh my lord! Oh my god! Haven, you need your own podcast, kid. <laughs> That's why I want my young one. I get older with my husband. My oh. own husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, so no. Yeah. Oh my lord! I can't. I can't even take. I can't even take it anymore. Oh I can't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Haven, what did you yeah. and what did you and mommy do today? Um, we volunteer and give food to other kids that don't have anything. You've... We pack bags for kids that don't have food on the weekend, right? Yeah. And and did you did you have fun doing that? Yes. Were you good? Yes. So you do you know why they were doing that though? Why why all that food and everything was being packed up for the kids? Do you know why that they were doing that? To help others. Kids that don't have as much, you know, because it's, what, what was it for, babe? For kids that don't really so the it's uh, the surrounding schools all the way from like Caledonia, Kalamazoo, all the way up to Fremont, New Ago area. Um, kids are enrolled during the week in programs to receive food. Those kids, this is for those kids. So they have food over the weekend. Ah. It's, so they can come to the school that they go to and pick up their bags so they have enough food for the weekend. It's soups, it's like fruit snacks, oatmeal, cereals, um, 
just different because a variety of popcorn, just be, a variety of bunch of different stuff. It's because, a big grocery bag full of different foods. Well, it's because too the children, the food that kids get at school sometimes that's their only meal. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's what these those kids are enrolled in this program at school. So they actually go to school early sometimes to be able to get breakfast and lunch. And then those kids that don't have food and they're enrolled in this program, and so they're covered over the weekend because there's no school that they are to fill the to gap. Food, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, I tell you, it just man, it just it it boggles my mind that 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 exists in our own country. You know, it's funny we it's, have we have all these programs, right? Everybody wants to donate overseas, and everyone always says, "Oh, there's starving children in in China. There's starving children in Africa." Yeah, well, there's also starving children right up the street from our house. I'm sure. Yeah, it, yeah. Fruitport was uh, actually on the list of schools that they donate to, and Muskegon, Muskegon Heights, Grand Haven. Uh, there were so many schools that were involved in this program that kids received food from. It was, it was crazy. And they have 60 volunteers for each time they do this and they're always booked. And it's, they just create four huge wall to wall lines of assembly lines of people. And they just zigzag across the table. Each person gets one item of food. Like I had little condensed cans of soups that the bag gets passed to me. I throw in a soup and then I pass it to Haven. And then I, and then I put in a cereal, and then I pass it back to um some of this one of these guys, and um they put the pop twin in, and then it just and then it just went down the line. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There's a different stuff for kids that don't have. There we, were we just put zip line giving it back. Yeah. It, yeah. There were four at the end of it. Once we all finished it, every item of food that was available to Pat. There were four pallets stacked at least at least six to seven feet tall of boxes of food in it. So imagine one Meyer grocery bag full of food because they tie that at the end, throw in the in a massive box. Once that box gets filled, they throw on a pallet. So there were four pallets about six, seven feet tall wow. stacked. That's how much food we packed just in an hour. Just wow! Hour, that's how much food was packed. And I saw those pictures of those pallets. Those were tall pallets. Those stood it's about six insane. feet They're tall. Six, yeah, six to seven feet tall. Wow! It was a lot of food, and it was it. It was a really cool program. It's called Hand to Hand. That is amazing. That is amazing. And that was a program that allows kids as young as Haven to go and volunteer because there's a there's a lot of programs out there that you guys would volunteer at, but there seems to be an age restriction, right? Yeah, so Love Inc. has uh, an age restriction, so that's why I haven't volunteered to them. Um, this one, they didn't have an age thing on their website, so I asked the lady, uh, like the main person, who's their director, who's in charge of it, Haven was able to come and help. I actually met a mom, super superhero mom. She had a baby strapped on their front of her. I think she said she was about six to seven months. Also brought in two littles. One was about five and one that was probably about three. Wow. With her because you know they're not in school yet. Um so Haven was like the oldest kid kid technically there. I think there was like a young 20 year old maybe. And then there were smaller kids at not school age. Another mom came in, same thing, seven month old strapped to the front of her, baby wearing, brought in two littles. Those littles actually, because they've done this for so long now, they run around the room when you are done, because you know, you've got box cutters and stuff like that to open these boxes, rip off plastic, and you throw it on the floor next to you so you can keep cranking them out like an assembly line. 
these little kids probably from like i said five to two five to three different age ranges will run around the room grab the plastic and the cardboard and we'll take care of it as well so oh, these wow. little kids were cleaners for all these adults that were doing this as well so every age was involved in this it was so cool to see oh, and cool. i also helped found these little boys and he um had his hands filled with toy boxes and i helped him hold one and he like he had this little <laughs> smile and he like was thinking me like in a smile way i was like like smiling back at and, you know, it was really cute. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. We would, They asked us if we wanted to come back, so and we actually can't wait to go back, huh? Oh, and I forgot to tell you all, people, Merry Christmas! <laughs> Not Christmas yet, kid, but okay. <laughs> I'll have we to have Christmas stuff up. I'll have to take a picture or a video, ladies and gentlemen, of our uh, of our Christmas decorations. Um, I say Christmas. It's we call it winter decorations. We don't really we don't decorate for Christmas. We decorate for winter. You'll understand. You'll you'll get it when I when I send the video. You'll see it. You will see it. It's like I said. We don't have snowmans and we don't do Santa Clauses. It's literally we decorate. You know how people decorate for fall. We decorate for winter as well. You know. So I'll send. I'll put a video and picture on on Telegram and True Social. You'll be able to see and then you'll understand. But uh. But anyways, but uh, and and Rietta says Merry Christmas, Haven, Katie, and Jason. Even though we're not in December yet, Haven. <laughs> Happy winter. I like that. How about that? Happy winter. I like that one. That's a better. No, one. it's not winter yet either. Let's not get ahead. Oh. <laughs> Happy winter, everybody. Happy winter, everybody. Okay. Okay. Happy fall. Happy fall. Thank you. <laughs> you really got bitter about that one. No. I don't, I don't do snow. I don't. So what you're saying is moving to Alaska and being Destry's neighbor is out of the question. No, I've already told you. You're welcome to. You can go wherever you want. If you do that, I'm going to either Tennessee or Florida. Oh, see, that's how that works, ladies and gentlemen. I can move (laughs) to Alaska, but, uh, but the wife moves down to Florida or Tennessee. I will not feel colder. My body cannot handle colder. Because <laughs> yeah, you're such a senior citizen. <laughs> I do. I, you know I have bad lungs. I hate the cold. It literally bitters me. <laughs> oh, my God. Does that chap your rear end? No. No. <laughs> oh. Hey, guys. Oh. Everybody. Oh Dad, boy. Dad, what's up, baby? I got a big question for you all. Oh, what's your question? <laughs> Do you guys know Jesus, first of all? I was stopping back there. <laughs> what? Why? What's your next question? You said first of all, so it's your second question. Um, so, do you guys all have a Bible? Because, um, this is really important, guys. Really important. <laughs> what What's important? What's important? Um, do you guys know how that was made before Jesus was? Do you guys know how that works? Like, why do not show in the Bible? Why not? Why? Oh, that why she that came first? Haven is hung up on this question, ladies and gentlemen. She keeps wondering how We're did God him. what? Where God came, came from. from. Yeah, like, how did God come to be? <laughs> he just always <laughs> existed. I don't know. 
You can't just touch a few lives. That's illegal. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. <laughs> you are fake news. Trump. Go ahead. <laughs> Stop it. President Trump. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Oh, I, I can't. This is this is too good. This is absolutely too good. We will know one day when we get to heaven. Yeah, when we when we die and go to heaven, we will get all those answers. <laughs> Put it in the back of your mind for all the questions you have for God when you get there. But you know, but you know what we say. You know, start your list. But you, but you know what we say to Haven, or you know what we say to Satan. This is what we say to Satan. We have losers. We have losers. That's right. Him and his legion of demons. <laughs> Because they are really dumb, and they are losers. Ma'am. What? This is true. Okay. okay. And we are the losing ones. And do you guys know that song where... No, thank you. Where, um, <laughs> you, where, um, where, um, the song says, um, the good ones always win, which means God wins, everybody. God wins here, okay? <laughs> Not the devil. He loses. At we have losers. Oh. We have losers. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, love. I'll be upstairs in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Can you tell the kid just loves... To just go on and on and on. I don't know where she gets this stuff from. I have no idea where she gets this from. She she certainly doesn't get it from her father. I can tell you that much. She probably gets it from her mother. Because <laughs> she didn't get it from me. <laughs> My wife puts a freaking, uh, I don't even know what this emoji face is. Hold on, I gotta zoom in on this. What is this? What is this face that she puts on here? Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Jones household. And, uh, I hope you got, uh, your laughs and your kicks out of that, but yeah, no, I thought that was really cool that they went and did that, that volunteering. So, uh, something that my wife is trying to do during the school day, you know, during homeschool is try to get her involved in volunteering and, and kind of get her to understand that there are children out there that have a lot less than her. And there are children out there that don't have the opportunity to eat a snack whenever they feel like it, that sometimes the only meal they get is what they get at school. So this is one of the biggest reasons outside of obviously doing it for the kids, but also to teach a lesson for our kid. Um, so anyways, but Oh, I do want to say one more, just last little prayer. Can all of you guys say one prayer for a, a, a friend of ours in our, Bob, in our Bible study? He came for the first time. His name is Austin. I'll just leave it at that. Um, he, he asked for Christ to be in his heart about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago. He came to our first Bible. He came to his, um, a first, you know, his, our Bible, I can't even talk a Bible study for the first time this past Tuesday. He absolutely liked it. He's a fellow trucker and he has been having huge success. Um, you know, he's been, you know, dropping, he used to be one of those guys that used to drop the F bomb all the time. Um, he's been watching his mouth more, him and his wife are having more meaningful conversations. He's going to church more. 
But um, and I want to have him and my buddy Aaron on the show because they have a really interesting, unique story. But right now he's struggling. And so if all of you could say a prayer for our friend Austin, because Satan is trying to get a grip of him again. He was called. He called my buddy Aaron, and Aaron came up to me yesterday in my truck when I got done loading for my last load. He goes, "Jason, I need you to do me a favor." He goes, "We need to really, really pray fervently, and really, you know, we just really need to pray for Austin because I was talking to him earlier today, and he was saying that the old Austin wants to come out. He wants to go back to drinking. He wants to go back to swearing. Like he feels these urges to do this. He feels the urge to go back to the old circles of friends that he once was used to hang out with that would, you know, get him in trouble. Um, he, you know, his marriage almost, you know, crumbled because of this. Um, so we just, I want to lift up a prayer to our friend Austin that, you know, God puts that hedge of protection around him and that he keeps, um, Jesus always speaking to him during those times when Satan's trying to fill his head with all these things that doesn't, you know, that don't need to be there. So we do pray for him. Rietta puts right here in the chat, Lord, you know, the details of Austin and the attacks that he is under, uh, surround him with a legend, uh, of angels, um, surround him with strong believers and we trust you to complete the work that you have started in him yes we do trust the work that you've started in him and i could see it but satan is not having any part of it and he's trying to infiltrate so i do appreciate you keeping our friend austin here in michigan in your prayers that um he will continue to keep jesus in his heart and in his marriage and family and we do say in Jesus' name. Oh, and then my wife adds in here, also pray for all those children that need food and possibly so much more. Hear their hearts and give them comfort. And then Nancy adds, Lord, please guide and watch over Austin and help him to follow you and keep Satan at bay. Yes, in your son's name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen. Thank you for that, ladies and gentlemen, and I know he will appreciate it. Um, I hope to have him and Aaron on the show because you guys would absolutely love their story. Um, because it would, it's a story of Aaron's side of the fence and his perspective trying to pursue, uh, pursue Austin and then Austin's story on his side of the fence and the resistance that he gave and put up towards Aaron. Um, it's a very interesting story, but I don't want to give it away. I want to let them tell it um in their time so anyways i hope and haven also my wife puts in the chat haven wants to pray that each kid gets enough food to keep them full that was very sweet very very sweet haven well i hope you all have a great day great night wherever you're at in the world thank you guys for your prayers and i hope my headache goes away and uh i hope uh yeah We'll see you probably back here, probably not tomorrow morning. We got a little bit to do tomorrow morning, uh, but I'll probably be back on the air maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. Might be a day off tomorrow, but then maybe I'll be back on Friday. So I hope you all have a good day, good night, wherever you're at in the world, and we will see you back here next time. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it.
We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. Forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com. And if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly, go to www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. It's time to get active, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.